0: Happy Monday, and welcome back to another exciting week of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature Apollo 13 I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com,
1: and I'm your other host. My name's Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum.
0: And Chris, it's all about uh, batteries today. I mean, it's, we're we're leading up to drama, but they have to uh, lay out something that can be interrupted. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I find the whole thing fascinating. I mean, this is, you know, as a as a once in future electric car owner, um, I'm always impressed by people that are that are wondering about battery powers and, and temperature and. Uh, that's, that's where we're going in this. We begin with, uh, uh, with Fred, well, we're, we're, we're finishing up talking about, uh, uh, symptoms and, and how, how this is going to go with the debrief. Fredo is after he decides talking about his uh, medical issues. Uh, he's talking about, uh, cold affecting the battery efficiency. And, uh, it's, you know, it's all about power management. I mean, the batteries work better when they're warm, um, on, on my Tesla, the, a lot of the uh, the updates to software is managing how, like on a cold day, especially if you know up, up in your neck of the woods, on yeah. a cold on a cold day, you have to teach your car to uh, warm up the battery before you ever get in, or you're not gonna get a good range. And uh, wow. that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed in 50 years. The new the newest uh, uh, the newest model Tesla, as we're recording this, the Model Y, actually has a whole uh, different system built into it to warm up the batteries and and learn your habits like if you go out in the morning and you go out in the evening uh, you know your your drive time uh, it'll check what the current temperature is and uh, warm up your car about 10 minutes before you usually leave so you'll have a, a nice warm battery that'll increase its range and if you uh, I know on, on just about all the models right now if you set your if you set your destination on their on the navigation system to a a charging station uh, it will start heating up your battery because your battery will charge faster, you know, browning and motion and all that uh, the chemistry works better if the battery is hot than if it's cool so That's is, interesting
1: uh, yeah, well, Can uh, I ask you a question? Yeah. I, and this is, yeah. For those listening, this is not space related necessarily, but you can well, plug It's, like, it's, it's battery related Yeah, exactly, it's battery related and software related, but a friend of mine was telling me that they're like, there's a performance package that you can actually get for your car that you just can, like, go on, like, iTunes and, like, get it, and it just installs on your car. Is that, is that true? Like- yeah,
0: yeah, it's, uh, it, well, you can actually, you can upgrade, you can. there's a lot of software upgrades where your your battery, in some cases, your battery is software limited, so you may have, like, a 70-mile range, or, no, I'm saying 70, a 70-kilowatt 70 range, and you can, uh, you know, send in... <laughs> Send in your credit card number, and they'll unlock the you know hidden part of your battery, and all of a sudden you get a ninety kilowatt uh, hour battery. So it's uh, it's there. They just got you know if you want to if you want to pay for it you can uh, you can turn it on. And there's there's all kinds of things. Yeah, it's it's just an amazing. I mean, you build a one size fits all and then you can just buy, you know, pay as you go. You want if you want more stuff on it. It's like adding I mean, if you think about it, it's like having you have a TV at home and you want to add HBO, you can do that. So
1: Yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. That that's cool though. Except, yeah. you know, it make your car go longer faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Give me
0: the go faster button. But yeah. that's, that's good. Um as uh yeah, and it's uh, I mean, a lot of when you talk about electric uh, you know batteries and things like that i think stuff like apollo 13 makes people very scared they think oh what am i what am i going to do i'm going to be out on the road i'm not going to know how fast it's. but <laughs> with with having a having an electric car you know almost to the mile how far you're going to go it'll it'll tell you it'll show you you know you can pull up the kind of graphics that uh, mission control has on this thing you can see battery usage uh battery versus um temperature battery versus uh, how fast you're accelerating you know if you're a lead foot you know like uh, you know like the gun it'll it will learn your pattern and then adjust its estimated uh time or you know capacity on your battery based on how you drive and based on what the weather is so wow uh and it's all from the space program i'm sure somehow i'm sure the uh the stuff that uh, elon musk learned from spacex he's probably applying over on his other companies <laughs>
1: That is too cool.
0: Yeah, but and it, it all started back here as we're watching. Uh, we're watching them talking about uh, uh, heating. Uh, in in this, they're talking about. Uh, uh, there, uh, Hayes talks about worrying about the cold affecting battery efficiency because they turned off the glycol heaters, which would normally be you know the, the that would power power the. Uh, there's a there's a heating system built around the batteries, just like they are in, in electric cars. Mm-hmm. That um, it'll it would run the wastewater uh through, through you know, the, the glycol and the, and the wastewater would charge uh, or would, would heat the battery so that they'd be more efficient and uh, they turned that off so that the heaters wouldn't be wasting the electricity that's in the batteries now well um, i think what's
1: interesting is what they were what they're doing right now i mean they're basically test pilots at this point yeah because yeah. a lot of this stuff was never tested to this you know uh degree uh they're pushing the equipment the hardware to the limits i mean they're make no mistake they went from astronauts to test pilots throughout this
0: oh for sure yeah yeah and i mean the only kind of the only kind of test information that they had from flight capable uh, you know lunar modules they had they had the lem uh lem one which went up on uh on apollo 5 and then uh you know the, the work that they did on apollo 9 they did a lot of stuff with it and Apollo 11, two, 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 I want to say episodes, two missions previously, when uh, when when the uh, when Neil and Buzz closed out the ascent stage of Apollo 11, uh, the last thing they did was they turned on everything. They turned on all the fans, they turned on all the heaters, all the lights, everything, just to see how fast the, uh, uh, the batteries in the ascent stage would draw down. So they had that information about the ascent stage batteries, but they didn't really know that much about how the descent stage batteries were going to uh to function so this is <laughs> it it's it's awful being the the pioneers in that sort of thing <laughs> when you're trying to get home um one of the things that doesn't really come up directly on this uh but you can read and i can't i, I know we've stressed this before i can't stress this enough uh the uh, the the nasa history office has a fantastic it's almost too much information uh a day-by-day uh journal apollo lunar journal of every single transmission uh, every, you know, and it has uh, annotations, maps, graphs, uh, more data than you could ever know what to do with. And if, if you ever wanna go down a really big rabbit hole, and I, I know a lot of people are stuck at home and not, not having anything to do. Uh, if you go to the uh, NASA history office and read the Apollo Lunar Journals, especially uh, for this mission, there's so much stuff in there that you can find out that, that they left out of, uh, of the movie because I mean, it's, it's only a two hour movie. It's really hard to fit all this stuff in. Um, one of the things that they mention in here is that uh, they really weren't sure about uh, battery number two in the lunar module. Um, battery number two was getting a, a reading. There's a, there's a warning light that comes on when there's a, when there's a fault in the battery. And uh, they're not sure uh, if, if they weren't sure if the battery was at fault, that there was a low voltage reading or, or a low low amperage reading, or if there was if it was a sensor problem. Now the the Grumman people at the time uh, figured that it was a sensor problem, that it wasn't picking up the right information. The, the other the other details that they were getting from the battery showed that it was it was okay, but that battery fault light made the crew feel like well maybe there is something wrong and we're not we're not seeing it um and uh there's uh, about 110 110 hours into the into the mission Lovell reported back that uh he sees the he saw the battery light uh coming up but he didn't see anything uh anything wrong with it the big problem there is they were using that was the battery they were relying on to to line up the navigation when they do navigation checks course uh, course not not like not like, a you know, the, the path they're flying, but coarse versus fine alignment, that's uh, that's the battery they were using to power the equipment to figure their navigation. So it was a bit of a concern, but of course that didn't really, that doesn't really fit into telling the story, so it's not really worth putting into the movie. Um, but again, if you, if you really want to get a, a handle on how Apollo 13, uh, how every little thing went down on it, uh, that's that's the place to go even more than, than this wonderful movie
1: well you know and I give the movie I do give the movie credit for not shying away from being pretty technical I mean um, it, it's far more technical than a lot of, of other space movies or movies about other you know entities I mean I, I remember uh, um, I, th- I have to go back and look but I think it was Fred Hayes that told me that uh, when they had this big screening, that uh, uh, it was a test audience, and it was like Jim Lovell and Fred and 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 Gene Kranz and and Tom Hanks and a few others watched it. And when the lights came up, Tom Hanks and the guys thought that they they were scared. They were like, "I think we went too far, too technical with it." And uh, you know, they said, "But it's too late now." <laughs> you know, so <laughs> and I think just the opposite. I don't, I think that. Yeah, we may not know every single thing that they're talking about, but thanks to the way that things are filmed, like you get the gist, you know. And it maybe if you study, you know, as you study up, it's like, oh, that's what that was. That makes sense now, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I give them a lot of credit for not shying away from being bold and going technical, though.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and I I think if anything, it showed the competence of the crew. If they're if they're spouting jargon. And more than just like you know star trek jargon that you're not you know it's not real all this stuff seems to be pretty much on the ball there's there's going to be a couple as, as we're getting through later in this week there's a couple of dramatic licenses being taken but generally they're they're discussions it's um i want to say uh it, it it applies to what what the faa calls a sterile cabin you t- you don't chit chat you're talking about the, the the mission you're on, and the, you know, you're you're talking about flight related stuff while you're in the uh, in the pilot seat, and they are very much, you know, very professional pilots handling uh, the job without a lot of chit chat. Yeah, um, I uh, I, they I mean they're everybody's trying to trying to keep uh, their spirits up. I mean, you hear if you if you read some of the transcripts, Jack Lausma was a Capcom, and uh, I think. Uh, Jack lived in El Lago like, uh, like Fred did, Fred Hayes uh, did. And they, you know, talked about the neighborhood and things like that. And I think Jack would give him, uh, we'd give Fre- Fred uh, the idea, you know, of what's going on at home, that it, they're not that far away and they're heading home. So I think that was, it was very positive when you read it, but that was, uh, that, that was only a minor part of it all. And I think that was mostly just for a morale boost, but the rest of it, very technical, very, you know, down to brass tacks um and uh i'd I'd if if we're gonna if we're gonna really stretch out this uh this podcast i'd play a lot of transcripts uh, i mean (laughs) a lot of this audio is available but uh it's it's worth it's worth listening to and and the history office has has those things you can hear their voices even though they're tired or you know in case of fred hayes he's sick um (laughs) and uh but they still sound very very much on mission on you know they're they're on duty and they're they're you know they professional military men who have faced similar not not this but they've been in life-threatening situations before, and you can tell these guys are uh, veterans at it.
1: Have you um, have you been following along with uh, the the um, as we're recording this uh, today is the uh, well uh, as we're recording this this would have been the the day they splashed down the 50th anniversary, um, but have you been following along with the the Apollo 13 in real time uh, at all?
0: I've been I've been tuning in. It's it's, it's an amazing it's an amazing sight. <laughs> so and...
1: so two things that, that tickled me. One, emotionally, I got to hear them cut loose of the uh, they cut loose the command module, and yeah. and it was you know them separating the spacecraft, which was pretty. Uh, interesting to actually hear that. I, I've never actually heard the real recordings of that before. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, it was the first time. I heard him cut the LEM loose before, but never the, the command module, or the service module, I mean.
0: Service module, yeah.
1: Um, but uh, the other thing was I just, at random parts in the evening, I would just turn it on and see what they're doing. And I turned it on the other night, and Jim Lovell was talking about eating a hot dog with ketchup, and uh, <laughs> or without ketchup or mustard, and they were like, well, under the circumstances, we'll allow it or something like that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I thought that was uh, yeah, <laughs> fantastic.
0: It's, it's, especially for a Chicago guy. I mean, that's,
1: I, <laughs> <chip> on... <laughs> yeah, I think it was he He was eating and he said the proper way to eat it is with with mustard. And they said, well, we'll let it slide this time since you don't have any <laughs> mustard up there. But uh, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Just yeah. random turned it on. And that's what they were talking about
0: yeah he he the i was reading while I was reading the battery thing they were asking him about whether um the if if they could get to the warmer food that was in the lem and uh Lousman said uh, have you been in the he goes yeah i already put away a meal here because it's, <laughs> it's nice <laughs> it's nice and warm um i had read uh the, the other thing that they put in there a lot is uh, they insert, when when they're talking about something that's happening, they'll go back and insert uh, things from the debriefing, the, the post-mission debriefing. And um, there's a mention of, you know, are you getting enough sleep? And, and uh, Swigert mentions that he, he finally got to sleep, and he uh, both he and Fred at different times had slept in the docking tunnel because it was, uh, because there's, uh, I know I've forgotten it, the electronics the it, it basically it's the it, it's it's the the circuit breaker box
1: oh, okay was up
0: against the top of the docking like an thing. umbilical and, or something yeah and it was it, it it was the de facto warmest spot in the <laughs> in, in the two vehicles so they would trade off when somebody was when it's time for somebody to go to sleep they'd just kind of float in the docking tunnel Jeez. because it was much warmer than the lunar module or the the CM and it, wow. you know it you could you could put up with being cold while you're awake but when you're trying to sleep the worst thing is, be, is shivering in the cold yeah so uh yeah. so they would trade off that that spot and i think freddo and jack had both slept in the in the, the front the limb side of the docking tunnel wow because that, and you know <laughs> it, it, it's just stuff you don't hear about this in books you don't hear about this in the movie but just coming across that as an aside these little sidebars are just fascinating yeah, um, yeah. So, anyway, I'm, I'm a hope... sucker
1: for details. Like when they recently went in and did that really, uh, really high resolution uh, photo documentation of the Apollo 11 command module, and they oh found, yeah they found uh, Michael Collins' handwritten notes like on parts yeah. of the spacecraft. And I, as an aircraft restoration guy, like I totally dig that. Like that is that is gold.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if <laughs> if I were tying this back to the EAA, um. If I remember when they were when they were restoring Doc didn't they find a whole bunch of tools or something in one of the
1: Yeah, yeah, and Doc they found the uh, I I believe it was some tools and things like that. Um they're currently restoring a B26 Marauder called Flackbait down at the uh, Air and oh, Space yeah. Museum. And they have found handwritten notes all through it. They found uh the ground crew while they were delayed if if there was fog or something and the planes couldn't take off. Uh, they would go and play tic-tac-toe in the grease on the inside main landing gear well doors. Wow. Wow. And they found all these tic-tac-toe games (laughs) in the oil, and that was from the ground crew just, like, sitting there killing time until they could go fly. So stuff like that. Uh, You know, we're our museum in in Wisconsin, we're getting a Huey as soon as uh, life gets back to normal here, and we're really geeked out because our Huey, Vietnam-era helicopter, you know, uh, the, the front line of, of helicopters in Vietnam, uh, our aircraft returned from Vietnam, was pickled straight from its return from Vietnam, hmm. and never flew again, because it was a B model, so it was an earlier model, and now we're getting it, and it has all these original, this original patina on the inside, you know, the scratches that the soldiers uh, put in from their getting in and out, well, you're and everything, the gear so, rubbing up against it. Yeah. Exactly, so it's all original. We actually have Vietnam, uh, like dirt and clay, like throughout the some of the oh. areas, and like we're keeping it all intact because that's part of the yeah. the historical integrity. So, sorry, I we we get off the rails on historical accuracy, but uh, but I, I totally geek out on details like that. So getting to hear you know like this, like these guys were sleeping in the tunnel, something that you never hear about or really even think about, but now that you can imagine it, you almost, it almost makes the the trip that much more desperate when you start thinking about the fact that this is what they've they've had to resort to sleeping in places like that, or, you know, just trying to camp out in their spacecraft.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, gosh, you know, you wish they could have just aimed (laughs) it could have aimed the lunar module somehow into a parabolic or or you know something to get to, something that it would it would it wouldn't come down but there were we'll, we'll get into it later on why why they had to get rid of the lem and and really get rid of it in the deepest part of uh, the Pacific but we'll we'll talk about that in future minutes um uh, swigert interrupts while they're talking about this battery talk with uh with discussions about uh, delta v and uh, and and reentry issues, but uh, we can talk about that a little bit more tomorrow because it's this discussion that that Swigert's has. We can follow along <laughs> on, our, on our on our next show. So uh, why don't we get back uh, together tomorrow? We can chat about that. If you would like to talk about uh, uh, your adventures in reading uh, minutia about this mission, uh, we're always welcome to see you at our uh, social media sites: Facebook at the uh, Apollo Thirteen Minute Mission Control, or on uh, Twitter at Apollo Thirteen Minute. Uh, follow us if you're not al- already following us on any of your favorite uh, podcatchers like Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play, Spotify, any any of those typical ones have us. Uh, if you or if you can't get there, go to the big site, Apollo 13 Minute, ap- Apollo13minute.com. You can find any of our previous 86 episodes now. So uh, anyway, we will. We will put uh, 86 in the can for you now, and we'll get on with uh, Minute 87 tomorrow when we talk a little bit more about uh, reentry and Delta V. But we'll see you here tomorrow. Looks like we're coming up on Lost of Signal in about 30 seconds, so let's catch you back here tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute.